You're listening to Grace and Fire, brought to you by Emerging Women. Today, my guest is Catherine O'Sullivan. Catherine is the head of cross-functional leadership development at Google. She leads a team of people who help Googlers exercise leadership to transform themselves, Google, and the world. In her career, she has enjoyed working in different leadership positions across HR, sales, operations, and business development. She strives to facilitate an environment to help people become more self-aware and clear about their values and goals, and to design strategies and practices that lead to self-excellence. Catherine was a featured presenter at the 2013 Emerging Women Live Conference in Boulder, Colorado. In today's episode, Catherine and I spoke about how she is able to help Googlers transform themselves into leaders what kind of practices Google uses to foster development, the vulnerability present in sharing your true self, how Google is helping the advancement of current employees, especially women in a male-dominated field, the definition of unconscious bias and how it plays a role in keeping women from rising in business, the potential reach of Google and social media and the role they could play in changing the world. Here is my conversation, The Power of Transformational Learning and Development, with Catherine O'Sullivan. Hi, Catherine. Welcome. Hi, Chantal. Thanks for... uh setting the time aside. I know you're a busy woman over there at Google. Uh, it's a real pleasure to talk to you. I'm excited about this. Yay! So, <laughs> um, for those of you who are listening and were not at the event, Catherine was part of our panel at the Emerging Women Live 2013 event in Boulder this past October, and she was on a panel that was called Game Changers with other women in the learning and development and organizational, I should say learning and organizational development at companies like Facebook and LinkedIn and Google and Twitter. So I wanted to highlight some of the things that came out in that conversation and explore some of those topics a little bit deeper. So maybe we could just launch in with a little short description of exactly what you do at Google. So I'm responsible for leadership development at Google. So I am helping Googlers exercise leadership to transform themselves, Google, and the world. So that's kind of our grand mission. And what that means is helping Googlers really, um, you know, on their leadership journey, um, you know, as they develop in their career and take you know, bigger and bigger assignments are and are more, you know, responsible for, for bigger scopes of business. So here's my question with that. You know, Emerging Women, our tagline is live the truth of who you are. And it's like, it's kind of a tall order in general, just as a human being. And I'm curious to see how much when you say that you are responsible for developing programs that will encourage Googlers to transform themselves and their work, how deep does that go when you say transform themselves? 
I mean, if we talk about real transformation, it goes pretty deep, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, we we give people the choice. You know, some people might not want to choose to go any deeper than some, you know, transactional learning. Other people are really open to going really deep and really looking hard at who they are as people and how, how they influence the world around them. And have you been doing a lot of these programs and have you noticed over time, if you have, what kind of results have you noticed over time when you bring on programs that actually allow people to deep dive inward and, and to self-reflect? Yeah. yeah. So we've, we've really seen amazing results. I mean, I, I design and, and develop some of these programs and I also deliver some of them. So I'm actually in the classroom and I see it happen. And a lot of what we do, um, we do it over time and we follow up with people over time, you know, to see how the learning gets implemented in the workplace. Of course, when it comes to, you know, more like quote unquote softer skills, it is a little bit harder to exactly determine how it affects the bottom line. But what I can definitely see is, you know, people who have become a little bit more self-aware as a result of our programs or who have a deeper grounding in their purpose as a leader are definitely able to, you know, to enroll their teams, to influence, to, to work across boundaries and to, you know, to become a lot more collaborative and open, which, you know, in, in our ambiguous world, you know, in, in a tech company where we constantly innovate, it's just a really, really important skill to have for a leader. And give us an example of that. Is it, more like meditation or are there is there some sharing some personal stories that being shared or are people getting vulnerable maybe if you give yeah. us a little bit more example of the context we could picture that a little bit sure sure so it's it's anything from we do have meditation classes that's not, that's not so much in my uh-huh. uh, in my patch but we do we do actually teach people how to meditate um in terms of, and that, that is part of, of a leadership development journey. Mm-hmm. Um, what we do is, you know, we're, we're really trying to have people self-reflect. Yeah. And we do, you know, we do that with different tools. Um, could be, you know, personality assessments, could be 360s, could be discussions with their peer groups. Um, you know, we, 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 teach people storytelling, you know, mm-hmm. how, how do you tell a good story and how do you give away a piece of yourself that you would normally hide, you know, in order to em- make an emotional connection to others. Yeah. So sometimes that goes pretty deep. We teach, you know, the importance of being present as a leader. So we're actually doing breathing exercises and, you know, we, we do some somatic exercises, um, and a lot of it is really around, you know, reflection and, and feedback, you know, giving people time out of their busy schedule to actually sit down, be quiet, um, tap into their inner wisdom and, and tap into what other people can give them that they don't see about themselves. Do you find people when they're in this situation that it's hard for them, and we're going to get into the sort of masculine-feminine dynamic here soon, but just in general, is the environment such that people are freely sharing their innermost beings? 
because that can be very vulnerable. And I, I just wonder, I know myself in, in, a, in a professional setting, it's been hard for me to overcome that vulnerability and to truly, truly share. What are you yeah. saying at Google? Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I've been working in the software industry for a long time, and I've definitely found that it's easy. The minute I stepped into Google, it was already easier for me to be me. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's really, it's such a precious culture where we really um, encourage diversity and, and people bringing their whole selves to work. Uh-huh. So, so, so it's already, you know, the environment in itself is already kind of a, a nice fertile ground, you know, for deeper work. And then in the classes, I mean, we're trying to be skillful about it, you know, as facilitators. So it's not like we're within the first five minutes where we're asking people to go super deep. Right. You know, we're trying to build an environment of trust. And, you know, it starts with us as facilitators sharing something about ourselves that we would not normally share. Right. So we, you know, we start opening the space or holding the space and then, you know, we're not forcing anything, you know, if people don't want to go deep, they don't have to, but a lot of people are really, really open. And it, I've, I've seen, you know, and you've seen this, right? The energy in the room changes when a few people start, and then it's easier for other people to open up to. Right. That is one of the reasons why we brought Brene Brown and her work on vulnerability into emerging women, because the possibility of living the truth of who you are and to stay aligned with who you are is much greater when you're willing to be vulnerable. And um, when you're not willing to be vulnerable, we tend to put up armor and we start telling a different story than what's really happening on the inside. So I applaud you guys over at Google for creating an environment that makes it comfortable for people to take those first steps because nothing happens without that. First, you have to be vulnerable and then so... yeah. We actually use Brene Brown's tech talk, you know, in one of our of our courses, you know, to to reinforce that message. And, you know, I feel like I feel so lucky to be working at Google and I feel a great responsibility to to bring this culture, you know, to the world. You know, we don't want to keep it to ourselves. We want to make you know, we want to make the world a better place. And and it starts with people. Right. And, you know, if we can do it, you know, other companies can do it too. And I often ask myself the question, you know, how, what, what is it that we can do, not just in the workplace as learning and development professionals, but in general, how can we, how can we influence business to become more open, you know, to things like vulnerability and experimentation and, you know, employees being able to speak their truth without having to worry about it. Right. Well, that here's that is a question. What is the opportunity here? Given that you have the culture, everyone's going to, you know, there are people working at very traditional companies that are going to want to go and work at Google, but not everybody has that opportunity. How do we take that culture where it's very open to you know, people's own truths being expressed and being processed within a group setting? How can that actually be leveraged across other corporate cultures. Do you guys ever talk about that? Yes, I mean, we definitely do. And we start, you know, we, we do share, you know, we use media to share some of our learnings. We've, you know, we've published studies around, 
you know, for example, what, what makes a great manager at Google, you know, um, and we, we definitely also, you know, the, the meditation program that we have, which is called Search Inside Yourself, is now going to other companies, right? Uh-huh. Um, so I know that LinkedIn, for example, um, are running a pilot at the moment. So we're really trying to, to share what we have. Um, and I think there's a bigger opportunity there. You know, it's really about not just sharing what we have to the people who who are looking for it, but how can we, you know, how can we, how can we help people who are not even thinking about it right now? How can we show them that it's so beneficial for business and that it might be worthwhile for them to look into as well? Right. Let me ask you a question. As a woman at Google, do you, and also somebody in charge of learning and development at Google, do you notice that there are some opportunities to give women an extra niche focus within your programming? And is there a need even? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I mean, we, we know, right? We all know that we don't have enough women, especially in the tech, you know, in the tech part of the business. Right. You know, this is not a Google specific problem, but we know that the tech industry you know, there's just a huge lack of women. There's only 27% of computer science graduates that are women, so it already starts early. Right. Um, so we're all on board, you know, to help women advance and, and to really attract more women to the tech industry. Um, in terms of is there, is there a niche... I, I'm not sure. I think it would be awesome if, you know, we had an equal amount of women and men across the board in every single department. You know, I think it would be great for the company. I think I'm, I think um, I'm speaking less about the amount of women, but the women that are there, do you feel like they could, what are some of the issues that you're seeing that could actually, if they had a little bit more attention to them, women would feel a little bit more comfortable with some, you know, some of the issues that we're hearing is they're not part of the board or they're not advanced to executive level. And part of this is a numbers game, but part of it is also, you know, maybe there's some truth that women can't negotiate, you know, or they're not as good of a negotiator as men. I I don't, you know, for me, it just feels like the, the issues are so nuanced and complicated. I'm curious to see at a company that is so progressive like Google, whether or not you're seeing patterns or whether or not there's any attention being brought to advancing the women that are there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, we have a lot of initiatives, but one thing that I would, that would, that I would really like to call out is what's really the hot topic currently is help um, educate everybody in the company um, about um, or around unconscious bias. So yeah. basically, what are the invisible barriers uh, to women's advancements? You know, what are the cultural beliefs about gender and workplace structures, you know, that, that might favor men? So what we're currently doing is we're educating every single manager in Google um, about what unconscious bias is. And then also we're trying to get to the whole population over time. And in terms of, you know, in terms of helping women, um, we're actually going to run a pilot very soon in December um, with a group of tech women, okay, so, so women engineers. Um, 
And what we want to do is we want them to identify what are the issues that you would like to change so that you can advance mm -hmm. and so that you can be more happy in the workplace. And they're actually going to work in small groups with executive sponsors to actually change, the, you know, to try some experiments that might facilitate some systems change. Hmm. So we're, we're really trying to, you know, to, to be proactive about it, but, you know, to, to use the women, you know, to, to influence the system. So our value will be to help, you know, to educate them and, you know, to teach them some systems thinking skills and, you know, introspection and self-reflection, et cetera, mm -hmm. but then have them go out and empower them to change something. And then, you know, I wish we could fast forward six months <laughs> and I could tell you the results now. Um, we don't have the results yet, but I, I think we're onto something really good. Well, I would love to do a follow-up on that and hear more about that because that's exactly, you know, I think the approach that makes sense is to incorporate women and have them you know, identify the issues and create the solutions. It feels pretty progressive. Yes. Yes, and you know we we have a lot of really good, um, you know, structures and benefits and and a culture of flexibility in place, you know, which I I really think that we're kind of leading with that, mm -hmm. but it doesn't seem to be enough, you know. It's like there is more to do, and I think really and really putting it into the hands of the women and, and give them the support. Hopefully, that'll help us, you know understand the system better in terms of where we still need to, to make changes. Now, tell me what you mean when you're using the term unconscious bias. Can you tell us yeah. a little bit more about that? Yeah. So the really interesting thing about, you know, because it's unconscious, you know, it's, it's hard to know what kind of biases we have. Okay. And, and there's different tests that, that you can do that actually show you how, um, how biased or not biased you are, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and I did one and it, to me, it was, you know, it was really eye opening that there is some, some part of me that has some biases that I consciously had no idea I had. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I, I, it was such an eye opener and it was so important for me to see. And we're doing that with every, um, with every, every one of our, of our employees who go through that training. Mm. And I mean, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to generalize because it's different for everyone. But, you know, it is, you know, like for some reason, there, there will still be, you know, beliefs or structures in the workplace that favor men, right? Otherwise, we would have more women leaders. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think one that I heard that's kind of a good example is that women... There's this idea that women are great with the task oriented and yet they're not visionary. And that's, you know, kind of something that just keeps self perpetuating itself, where women themselves don't believe that they're as visionary. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it just sort of becomes that yeah. it's almost like a rumor that just becomes true. That's how I understood unconscious bias. And then everybody feels like, okay, it's now it's time to hire a visionary. And yeah. those positions are very rarely, it's a very, very low percentage of women in the yeah. visionary roles. Yeah. More yeah. so than yeah. any other, you know, C offices or board members. So I'm, you know, it's fascinating to see if we could all take those tests 
it might bring illuminate a little bit more <laughs> on some of these patterns that we're seeing that keep reinforcing each other. Yeah. So those tests are called implicit association tests and oh. you can get them. You can just Google and then you can, you know, you can, you can try it out for yourself. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, you know, the, the trouble with unconscious bias is that at some level it communicates to women that they are ill-suited for certain leadership roles, right? Right. And I, I think it really interferes with a woman's ability to see herself as a leader or be seen by others as a leader. And, and that's, you know, that's the unfortunate part. You know, it's unconscious and it's, it needs to be conscious, right? It needs to be made conscious so that we can do something about it. Right. I guess that's where I was kind of going with, to me, a lot of this is about self-concept and less about the skill work of, okay, we're going to teach women to be negotiators or we're going to teach women to ask for the raise. Or, and I do think those things are relevant, but I feel a strong pull towards the work of self-concept and self-awareness and breaking those barriers between the subconscious and the unconscious. And one of the ones that I just used was visionary, very the percentage of women that see themselves as visionary as opposed to the percentage of men that see themselves as visionaries. It's, there's just no comparison. And I wonder if that you know might be a place to direct some of the development programs to see if there can be more women-specific programs that could help change that self-concept yes. a little bit. Absolutely. Um, you know, we've done some, some work with some of the, you know, leading professors in, in, in women's studies and women's advancement, and they've advised us on two things. They said, you know, if you really want to make a big difference, do two things. Number one, educate everybody in the company on unconscious bias. Number two, help women identify their leadership identity and their leadership purpose, right? Mm. And I think that's what, what you were talking about. As you know, we, we call it vertical development versus horizontal development. Hmm. So vertical development meaning, you know, looking deep, looking who you are, what you stand for, what your values are, hmm. you know, what you want to be as a leader or how you want to be as a leader. Hmm. Yeah. And and both is really important, right? I right. mean it's really helpful to, it's really helpful to be taught, you know, brilliant negotiation skills. But it's also really important to know what do I actually want to negotiate, right? What do right. I, what's important to me? What do I want to negotiate for? Where do I want to put my energy in? And I can only do that if I know, you know, what I stand for as a leader and what, what, I want, what, what kind of impact I want to have with my leadership. Right. I love that, that question, what kind of leader am I? What kind of leader do I want to be? Because it's really about who we are as unique individuals and how that gets expressed as a leader is unique to each and every one of us. Yes. And I see it often, you know, because we, you know, we, we, we're um, like our, our population is quite young, right? And we have a lot of people who are kind of on the fast track to leadership. Mm -hmm. And I can see people who come, uh, who come into the company and who are super ambitious and, you know, brilliant at their job. And they seem to be motivated by something outside of themselves. You know, the motivation is to climb the ladder. The motivation is to prove mm -hmm. that they can do it. Mm -hmm. And I was like that when I was in my 20s and, and even in my early 30s, you mm -hmm. know. 
But at some point, there's a shift, you know, where it's not so much about, you know, this This is, you know, it's, maybe it's a little bit more, it's less, this is what I want, but it's more, this is what, you know, what life wants from me. This is what the company needs from me, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. I, I feel that um, Google has such an opportunity with their reach to reach out to women who are, do not have access, for instance, to internet or other women, and they're in places of danger, like Afghanistan, or, you know, third world countries where women are not treated very well. Of course, that's doesn't, it's not relegated to third world countries. But I'm curious to see if Google has done anything, or even in your department, the development, does it reach beyond Google, Googlers, and into the rest of the world where women's education along these both in self concept, and in skills work and just connection to other women or other people through social media and the web, if that's ever a mandate or a vision or a mission of you and or Google. Definitely. I mean, you know, there's so many different initiatives. We have, you know, community outreach is really important. And some of it is, you know, helping women entrepreneurs on the web advance you know, especially in, in other countries uh-huh. um, that are maybe not so wealthy as, you know, the United States and Europe, but also, you know, to do good in the world. You know, there is, you know, YouTube and, and, and Google Plus and, and many other products that are used, you know, by Googlers and by other people, um, you know, to, to really create awareness. Um, and, you know, we have, like, we have a week every year where um, we call it Google Surf, so where we give our time as Googlers, you know, to a good cause, and some of them go to women's causes as well. But Googlers choose that. Googlers choose of, you know, who they want to give their right. time to or what project they want to support. Right. I think, I think my question was more like systemically is there mm-hmm. a way to, and this, this may be like you and me just dreaming and coming up with ideas, but yeah. is there a way for Google to like get in with the governments of some of these companies and deliver technology to women, you know, in yeah. the most remote places so that they're, and, you know, to somehow make it culturally okay yeah. for yeah. women to have access to information yeah. through yeah. the web? I mean, you can really Google anything, like repre- yeah. repression, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and maybe that's too big of a topic here, but yeah. I, d- I do feel like there is an opportunity for Google, a company like Google that has this progressive mindset to reach outside even their own community base and to create programs that would help both in hard access, but also with the self-concept and so I guess maybe I'm I'm doing more of an ask than a yeah you know no I hear you I hear you and I mean there is a lot of stuff you know that that we already do like um, you know we 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 I I don't have the exact information right. but I know that with Google.org we've done things like partnering with 10x10 which is a social action campaign dedicated uh-huh. to educating girls for example okay. we've supported International Day of the Girl. 
you know, I mean, I don't want to make it a big Google marketing campaign, right? Sure, but I wanna no, say, I'm just curious. Yeah. I want to say that, we, you know, there is a lot of great stuff that we're doing and we can always do more, right? right. And any ideas, you know, I'm really welcome, welcoming ideas and, and input um, of, you know, what we can do and maybe also how we can pool together with other Silicon Valley companies or other companies in the world, you know, to to make the world a better place. Right. I mean, that I think is, is the opportunity here, especially with the community that we're building with emerging women. And it's just that we don't know, there may be somebody listening here who has an organization in one of these countries that could use some support and maybe something brilliant comes of it from just listening to this podcast. And and so I, I kind of, when I'm talking to somebody like you and, and connected to a company like Google, I do, I just always want to throw that opportunity out there so that both you and Google, but also the listeners are keeping this in mind, especially since you guys are really seeming to have your heart in this and, and you are an open company and it feels like you are well poised to lead this new way of doing business if you're not already doing so. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm on board for sure. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I know our leadership is as well. And yeah, yeah, so if you know any, any thoughts, any comments, I'm, I'm open. Great. Well, Catherine, it was great to speak to you again today, as it was during the event. And I just thank you so much for your time. Yeah, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Thank you.